Well, I feel blessed. Bless Mitchell's heart. Remember, uh, you'll see in the bulletin that we've got a couple of guys who are um, in a week to be considered or be added to our eldership. If you know any dirt on Randy or Jeff, would you please bring it forward? Uh, <laughs> and bring it to the preacher first. I'm looking for good sermon illustrations from these guys. If you know any dirt whatsoever, please, please, please dig it up and bring it to me. But I, I just can't foresee anything uh, preventing a great thing from happening in the history of Valley View in the next week or two as, as these men uh, take their place at that table with those others as they lead this congregation. It's, it's going to be a rich uh, blessing to this church for years to come, and I'm grateful God's blessing us this way. Uh, remember Wednesday night, uh, up to this time it's been a strange thing. You've seen a talking head in a video on Wednesday nights, and it's been about revelation, and uh, I, I'm just so excited to spend a whole summer in this. And really, the first three chapters are the easier ones. Everybody's kind of gone through those before, and then it gets difficult at four and five, and then it progressively gets harder. Because of that, I'm excited the fact that Kevin Youngblood from Harding will actually be here starting this Wednesday. So please make an effort. If you, if you haven't been here for some reason on Wednesday nights, or maybe you just didn't like the whole video format or whatever, I get that. I didn't either. Uh, but now he's going to be here in person, and I'm telling you, I've spent a week with him in Jonah with high school students, and those kids were eating it up. He was able to, to make it come alive for them. I'm sitting there going, how can a college professor make these high school students love this stuff? And he, he's just got that energy about him, and it's kind of hard a talking head on a video doing that, but he's going to be here in person. So Wednesday night, really make that effort to be here. You're going you're gonna to be glad you did and be here for any kind of questions you might have. Uh, a special Ann Dawson's not here. She's turning 90 next week, and so her family's having a special surprise party here. We can announce it because she's not here. So next Sunday, 2 to 4 in the hospitality room, remember that. I, I promised I would do that because she's not here to make, what I say? Sorry, don't come Sunday. Do not come Sunday. I did that. Saturday, 2 to 4, not Sunday. If it's Sunday, you're here alone. Uh, so and that's not good to have a birthday party with you alone when you're not even having the birthday. So Saturday, 2 to 4, sorry about that. But just remember that, and it's, I mean, you don't turn 90 every day. We are, uh, if you'll make your way to 1 Samuel chapter 23, we're going to be there here shortly. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. So this morning, there's no PowerPoint. I'm taking a fast from PowerPoint today, giving them a break back there. Myself one as well, but you are going to be given some homework. I know it's in the middle of the summer, nobody wants homework, but we need this, and this is good stuff, and so I promise you it's not going to be something burdensome on you. We began this year with kind of an outreach focus, an idea of how can we be people who actually reach and influence a lost world around us without seeming to be kind of gimmicky or you know, kind of like a program of some kind. How could it fit right into my life as a daily habit to where I become a person of outreach rather than do something 
of outreach? How can it fit in my life and feel comfortable and normal? And one of the things you have to realize is this, from 1 Peter chapter 3 that was read a moment ago, we need to act in ways that surprise the world that's watching us, that intrigue people who are not believers. Peter says, be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that you have. Get ready to answer people who question you. So you need to live a questionable life. You need to live in a way that surprises, just kind of throws them off a little bit for why you're different. You need to live a provocative life that provokes questions from people and say, why are you acting this way? But how do you do that? You know, basically living as a good person, a good moral person, good citizenship, all that stuff. People respect that. We have a Judeo-Christian ethic in our culture largely. So how is any behavior going to really stand out that way? Well, I hope that you'll start adding some habits to your life, and I think I can hear a groan. I can't add anything else. My life is full. My plate is overflowing, and you want to add something else at church? I get it. This is not add as in add something to stuff that's already there. This is about assimilating a culture and a character to what you already do. It's about how you do things, not just adding something else. Yet another thing to consider, right? It's got to fit your personality. It's got to fit your character. It can't be this program or strategy that you add that becomes gimmicky. Like inviting friends over and you say, we're going to have a meal. Great, have a meal with friends. And suddenly I've got a video for you to watch and it's a pyramid scheme. Complete with a starter set. As you try to, you know, he wants to add you to his pyramid plan, right? That's just manipulative. And you feel like I've been had. It's not a Mary Kay or a Tupperware party that you throw to get people. No, this is not some kind of program that you do. This has got to be naturally ingrained in you. How do we do this? Not just because you're being humanitarian and good citizen, but because you're being missional. You want to bring the reign of God, the kingdom of God, into the lives of people. Because the Great Commission isn't... It isn't go out and invite people to come in to hear a gospel. No, it's go share the gospel with people in a way that assimilates in your character but also adds to their own perspective of you. Give them a chance to taste God's influence by how you interact with them. What can do such a thing? There's a textbook that Noah had for a class at Harding that mentioned some things and I loved it. It was so very simple. Blessing. The first one that I want to consider as we talk about this for a few weeks is blessing. Let us, at people, as people at Valley View Church of Christ, that church on the hill, let us have a blessing effect on people. Let it be something where we, in the wake of your interaction with other people, you know in the wake of a tornado there's destruction. In the wake of your interaction with people, they just feel blessed. They feel the presence of God from your interaction with them. In, in Genesis chapter 12, I just ruined this intro. I had a great way to talk about this. Let me ask you this. Let's just back up. How many of you would uh, just answer this question? Where is the gospel first discussed in Scripture? Where does it first make its appearance? Genesis chapter 12. We think of it as a New Testament thing, as a Jesus-only thing, death, burial, and resurrection, and that's the heart of it. But you know that gospel was preached beforehand. 
Paul says, in Genesis chapter 12. I want to listen to this. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you, make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless you so that you can be a blessing. Do you get that? I will bless you so that you can be a blessing. That's the thing. I will bless, he says it again, those who bless you, those who dishonor you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Bless, 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 bless. I'm going to bless you so that you can bless all the people of the earth. God's original intent was this. My people whom I bless, will be people who bless. I want everybody who interacts with my people blessed by me to feel that blessing transferred to them. I want us that when we interact with people, they feel blessed. How do you do that? I don't want it to be something that's just your intention. I want it to be something they feel. That when they interact with a member at Valley View, they feel the blessing of God because of the way you treat them and look at them and act toward them. The word bless means strengthen the arm of. It could be considered easily the, the idea of holding somebody's arms up. You think of Moses over the battle of Rephidim, right? When they held up his hands and as long as he did, they had victory. But we strengthen the arms of other people when we relieve burdens they have. Allow them to breathe a little more easily. Lift their spirit. Alleviate their stress. How is it that we can have such an impact on people that because we are mission-minded and kingdom citizens, we bless and strengthen the arms of others? I'm going to steal some ideas here in a moment from the Love Languages book, but in 1 Samuel 23, where I had you go to, I want you to see a couple of things in this in this particular passage. Beginning this chapter, it says, They told David, Behold, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah. They're robbing their threshing floors. They're stealing all sorts of things from the citizens of Keilah. David finds out about this. Philistines come into Israelite territory and stealing stuff. And so David goes and he battles these enemies and brings back their stuff. And the people of Keilah are like, We've been rescued by David. Thank the Lord for David. Saul finds out about it. He comes down, and David feels certain, right? The people of Keilah will protect him now that he saved them, right? Wrong. He asks God, are they going to turn me over? God says, oh, yes, indeed. The people of Keilah are going to turn you over. You just saved their lives, and they're going to hand you over. A little discouraging, don't you think? End of the chapter, verse 19, Ziphites. So David runs, he comes to the wilderness of the Ziph, Ziph area, we see in verse 15. But in verse 19, the Ziphites went up to Saul and said, hey, David's hiding among us, come down here and you can get him. Really? I mean, just mind your own business, leave me alone, I'll hide out in the caves. No, nope, they're going to hand him right over. David's got enemies everywhere. You know how discouraging it is to be betrayed by people who really should be favorable to you, and how people handing you over when that's none of their business is real frustrating? But somewhere in the middle, it's like God says, I know you can't handle all this. No one can handle the kind of frustration, so I'm going to put something in the middle of it. So I want you to back up to verse 15. David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life, and David was in the wilderness of Ziph at Horish. And Jonathan, Saul's son, David's best friend, son of his enemy, rose and went to David at Horish. And what does your version say? And strengthened his hand 
in God. I want us to have this kind of impact. I want people having a bad day. Things, people aren't treating me like I should be. People are kind of just kind of just beating me up with all these sorts of criticisms and complaints and all this. I want it that when a Valley View member enters their life, somehow we strengthen their hand in God. That's what I'd love to see. Us to be known as those are the people who bless. That's what God has in mind. We don't criticize, we don't argue, we don't fight, we don't fuss, not even over doctrinal matters. We don't make this a big old debate all the time. We are the people on the hill who bless. Wouldn't you love that? That's what God originally intended for his people for all time. I want to bless the world. I want to bless them all. You mean the bad? Yes. Bless those who curse you. Bless your enemies. I want you to go around blessing everybody. That's weird, isn't it? Blessing everybody. I want to be known as a church full of people who bless. Strengthening their arms in God. And here's how he did it. I want to give you the first of several ways you can do this. Words of affirmation. Written, spoken, texted, emailed, whatever it is. I want you to listen to what David... Now, now remember, David is on the run. He needs some encouragement. And here comes Jonathan, who's coming through enemy lines. Actually, he's coming through his father's territory. His father's hunting down his number one enemy, he thinks. And his, fe- his best friend is, is Jonathan. Here comes Jonathan, walking through that mess, coming to David. And here's what he says. He says to him, he gives him words. Do not fear, the hand of Saul, my father, will not find you. You're going to be king. We know that. God is already said that don't you forget you're going to be king and don't you get discouraged and don't you think God's given up on this no you're going to be king and I'm going to be right there your right hand man who should be king Jonathan should be and he comes out and says David we both know the truth God's made you king I'm going to be your number one fan He comes out in the middle of the wilderness and gives him words to encourage him. In the middle of being betrayed and turned over both times, in the middle of all that comes a friend who's willing to say words of truth. That's what I want us to be. Mark Twain said I could live for two months on one compliment. He's true. It's right. In this world of griping and complaining and constantly undermining people. And sometimes those words are mine comes this call to be a group of people who speak words like apples of gold in settings of silver. To bless is to recognize people are beaten up in this world and there's lots of air pollution. There's lots of words being thrown around all the time and blah, blah, blah makes you feel bad and the sky is falling. In the midst of this, there needs to be a group of people who bless, who recognize the value of people, not their perfection and not their flaws, but recognizes the value of people and they speak into it. You see people, you consider them, and you think, what could I say to them to build them up and to leave my presence going, I feel so good every time I see a Randy Carlton. I feel so good every time I see one of those members at Valley View. I feel so good all the time because they make me encouraged. And it's not like looking at them saying, that's a nice shirt or a neat haircut. You know you feel this way because there's certain texts that you don't erase quite as fast as the others. I've got a text that's two years old from somebody. It just hit at the right time. I thought, I ain't erasing that one. I even wrote it in my journal as well, but I keep it there, and every once in a while I just look at it. It just hits the right spot at the right time, and it means something. Or that email from somebody. If we could be a group of people 
And I'm challenging you every week until November. November is our gospel meeting, but I want it to be every week for the rest of your life. Our gospel meeting is something I don't, I don't plan these three-day things, four-day things, because I know you're busy. And you know what? If you've got other things, don't worry about coming. But once in a while, we need to have an effort like that. We give a little bit extra attention to evangelistic focus. And in preparation for that, instead of door knocking to hand out flyers, let's, let's strive to be people of blessing. And you think every week, three people, now you can bless a whole lot more people than this, but consciously, intentionally think of ways to bless three people every week. And one of those people has to not be a Valley View member at all. And one of the ways you can do that is think of a kind word that builds people up in the midst of the air pollution that we're living in and the words that are slung around. Think of how you can be a blessing with your words. Second thing would be an act of kindness. Boy Scouts talk about this. Alcoholics Anonymous talk about this. And it's in the step that says, I tell you what, you're so consumed with your own issues and your own stuff. One of the ways to help you to lose that is to enter the world of somebody else. For a little while, take a reprieve from your own gravity of stuff and enter the life of someone else and lose yourself in kindness to somebody else. Alcoholics seem to think that, you know, if you spend a few moments with somebody else's stuff, you can kind of have a vacation from your own. Acts of kindness, relieving a burden, making them feel and experience kingdom and concrete. Do things that lighten their load, that strengthen their arms. I've seen this at Valley View in recent weeks. The Goldens moved. Had some people come over, and, and man, that was kind of like you know, the rain was coming, and you're moving to an apartment, they got a certain amount of time to do it, and you got people coming. You got other people. I'm so proud at Valley View. We have people who are foster parents or adoptive parents who say, you know what? I want to be a blessing to the world by being a blessing to one kid. That is a tremendous blessing. And I used to be against reading the cards that people would send in the church. Thank you for this and for that. And it's like, oh, it's not the same. There's some mornings you can take 15 minutes to read all these. But you know what? One of the things is you need to hear the names they put in those cards. Thank you. And they start saying the names and the things they did. Maybe you were at the hospital and it, was a, it wasn't something planned. And you're sitting there bored out of your mind. Everybody knows you love puzzles. And someone brings you a puzzle book or a Pepsi. That stuff matters. It's like I thought ahead and I know what you like and I know the things that will help distract you. I know this and so I'm going to do just some little thing. It doesn't have to be costly. It just has to take some time to think about it and you make that effort and that act of kindness is a blessing. Listen, think about some acts of kindness you can do. Gifts would be another one. This is a little bit odd, but I want to share with you a couple of them. Every one of us can think of events in our lives where people gifted us with something. Here a couple months ago, Becky Mulholland and Dana Hayes went to Texas and they brought me this. I come back to my office and there's this ugly pelican sitting on the desk. And I just look at that for a while and I put it over somewhere else and don't even think about it. And I just kept going, what's a pelican doing here? And then LaVon told me later, did you find something? Well, of course I found something. It's an ugly pelican. It looks like it's losing its feathers or something. She said, yeah, they were in Texas and they thought of you. I thought... What? Do you say thank you or do you say how dare you? I don't know. So I look up pelican and it says it just regurgitates trash. That's what it says. So I'm really not sure what to do about this. But you know what I know? They were in Texas and they were together having fun and they thought of me. 
I've got stuff like this in my office everywhere, stuff that it, it's not valuable to anybody but me, but it's backed by a story of somebody who thought about me. And I thought, man, that makes me feel... Here's another one. Here's just, I love pipes, and I, I don't smoke them. I chew them. And you're like, yeah, right. No, really. At the office, I only chew on them. And I don't smoke any other way. But, but I like this because instead of chewing on pens, it makes me look smart. It makes me think maybe it will help me be smart. But anyway, there's a pipe, and they're all heavy, and they start hurting your teeth. And, and, and somebody decided, well, it's Pat Michener decided, I'm going to make you one. This is the most unique. You will not find one like this in the world. He got his own wood, and it's very light wood. And how he found this, I'm not sure. It was a battle finding one of these. And he... he he, he did the sanding and he did the, the, the varnishing or whatever he's staining on this thing. And, and you know what it means? It means he likes me. It means he likes me. And it's real light and I can chew on this all day and it not hurt my teeth at all. And I just think he spent time picking out this wood and carving it just right and staining. He did that just, just for me. And stuff you can do for each other. I, Max... Merrill loves ties, and he thinks my ties look ugly, so he always buys me a tie about every two months. Brings it up, you know, in his car, and we have this ornamental thing of opening this packaged gift. You know, he has it all wrapped up. And I, I just think about that, and I think little, inexpensive little things, but you know it. I'm going to give you a clue here. First of all, my Amazon wish list is available to anybody. So, um, Bill Berry loves owls. I, I'm not sure why. Every time I walk in his room, I go, whoo, you know, but he loves them. And Tyson Leblong has gifted him with some owl stuff. And I think what a neat relationship those two have. You know, one who's really young and one who's really, really old. I mean, you know, you, how's that work? Stuff like that blesses people. It could be a piece of gum if you just happen to know they like big red. It could be any little thing that you do, but it indicates blessing and it brings, it brings kingdom to people. There's one other one I would stress. It's this one. And maybe it's the greatest one of all because our culture is throwing this out a lot. But the greatest way you can bless someone who's facing a challenge or maybe going through a difficult time is to let you know that, let them know that you are taking their name to God. Now, our culture is weird about this. They just throw out prayer as anything. If you pray or send me your thoughts or send you my thoughts, that's not going to do you any good for me to send you my thought. What I'm going to do is something that might change your entire situation. I'm going to take your name to the holy, living sovereign of the universe. I'm going to take a few moments to get on my knees and say your name to the Creator. That's an amazing blessing that you intend to be a blessing and people receive it that way. And sometimes when they're really going through a difficult time, pray with them on the spot. That's a great blessing to people. So here's my challenge in preparation for that old-fashioned revival in November. Start being a blessing intentionally to three people on purpose and at least one of them cannot be a member at Valley View. Don't make it complicated. Don't make it a lot of time-consuming. You will not make a habit of something that's just so time-consuming. Don't overthink this, but consider people and bless them. Make them feel blessed in the name of God. 
There's this thing in Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 5, that God says to my priest. He says to the priest, I want you to teach the people my ways, right? I want you to teach them the, the nature of God, but I also want you to convey my blessing to my people. The, the agency through which God blessed his people were the priests. They conveyed God's blessing to the people. And then in 1 Peter, we have the idea that the church is the priesthood of God for the world. We're not just priests to each other. We are the priests of the world. We teach the world who God is. They have all sorts of wrong ideas, and somebody needs to teach them the truth of God right. Who is God really like? What is he really like? The church is God's designated agency through which the world learns about God, but we are also the agency, or at least one of them, where God conveys his blessing to the world. It's fallen and messed up, but God still wants to bless it. Do you get that? And the way he does it is through his church, and we need to be that way. Not just to each other. Yes, we bless each other, but we need to bless the world too. I've looked for a way. I've looked for a way to get across this, not just in words, but what kind of effect can we have on people? And, And I guarantee, I promise this, I can't convince Jerry otherwise, but before I knew that Jerry Wills was going to be here, I had this illustration in the sermon. And it might be particularly difficult, and I apologize if it is, Jerry, but Jason buried his mother a few weeks ago. And Jerry is without his wife. Jerry's a neat guy, well-dressed, sharp fella. And it was a difficult time, but let me describe for you what Sandy Wills was like, Jason's mom and Jerry's uh, wife. She was this lady that everywhere she went, she made sure that you knew she loved you. This is an awkward thing for me because I don't say this to just anybody. I don't even say it to the people I need to say it to as much as I should. But she would, with everybody she met, without fail, and Jerry does the same thing, would say to them, I love you, just in case, just in case it might be the last time you ever see each other. And one day it was. One day it was the last word she said. And they know her last words to them without any trouble of bringing it to mind because it was always her last words to everybody. You don't leave their presence until you say it. Now, I'm not going to ask you to be a people to say, I love you to everybody, but can I tell you something? When you were around this woman, you felt loved and you felt blessed, and that is what I want people to feel when you have just left their presence. I want us to be a church that we don't fight all the time and we don't fuss and we don't criticize and we don't judge. We bless. We bless all the time. I'll give you another guy. Neatest fellow, one of the neatest fellow, I'm, gonna, I'm, just gonna, I'm just gonna steal from him. He's a Baptist preacher, he was. He, he was buried about maybe a year ago. I didn't get to go to the funeral, but I could have done his funeral. I love this man dearly. His name was Dale Rickman. And he was a school teacher in Dunklin County for a number of years, which meant he knew everybody. And he was also a Baptist church at every Baptist church in Dunklin County at some point in time. I told him he only had two years worth of sermons, so he had to switch churches all the time so that he could share them with everybody. And that may or may not be true, but he was the most genuine, delightful guy you will ever meet in your life. He was real, and and everybody felt him approachable, and so he became like the high priest for anybody who didn't go to church anywhere. He did thousands of funerals. 
I got to know him because for a, for a, a, a practicum at Harding, I had to go to every funeral at the funeral home in Kennett, and he did them all. I mean, everybody wanted Dale Rickman to do their funeral. Now, he did so many, sometimes three a day, ten a week. He did so many, there's no way he could do them like I do them. I don't know how he did all those other than he had some fill-in-the-blank sections. You know, like you just put the name in. I joked with him after a few funerals going, he's like, what are you doing listening to all these funerals? I said, it's a thing at Harding. I'm telling you, it's terrible, right? And, and so I said, and by the way, I can, next time you have a funeral, just call me. I can do your funeral for you because I know exactly how you do them. It's terrible, isn't it? But here's the thing about him. Every time he saw someone he knew, whether well or not, in public or private, he'd say, has anyone told you today Jesus loves you. Weird, isn't it? But he started making me his project, so I'd be at Walmart, and I wouldn't see him walk in, and he'd come behind me. I'm reaching up for a can of corn, and I'd hear his voice behind me. Has anyone told you today Jesus loves you? And I would just smile and go, okay, Dale, right? It got to the point where when I didn't see him for a few days or a, a few weeks, I would send him a card. And all it would say is, yes, I know. Yes, I know. That's all. I'd send it to him. And he started getting older and slower. And so I would then see him before he saw me. And so I would go up behind him. And one time he's at Walmart, and I stick my finger like a gun into his back, and I'd say, hold it right there. You know, has anybody told you today? And he'd get that smile on his face. And we would just do this constantly. Most genuine man I know. Having back surgery, it was very tough on him. I walk into his house, I knock on the door, and he's surprised. I said, can a Campbellite come in your house? Some of you old-timers are like, yeah, I get some of you, uh, never mind. Anyway, so can a Campbellite come in your house? Anybody can come in my house, and we sat and we had a conversation. The only time we ever talked about our differences. But it's very brief. He said what he said. I said what I said, very friendly-like, and then I leave. And every time I see him, you know Jesus loves you. You know Jesus loves you. So every time I saw him, whether I just heard his voice or I spoke to him first or he spoke first, every time I saw him, all I thought was Jesus loves me. And I hope that we have the blessing effect that every time we interact with people, all they think about is Jesus loves me. If we can do that, we will bless the world and make a difference. Make people think Jesus loves me. When the priests were done with their sacrifices, there was a, there was a blessing they pronounced over the people. It's the oldest extra-biblical evidence of script words in Scripture anywhere. This was what someone chose to wrote down, write down on some kind of uh, concrete stone thing somewhere, and it still exists. Oldest extra-biblical words from Scripture. And I want to give them to you. You've been here this morning, and you've heard this amazing Lord's Supper word from Joel. You've sung songs that describe what God has done for us. You've been here for worship, and you've brought your life with you, and you're going to return to your life in just a moment. Let me leave you with this blessing. The Lord bless you 
and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. He wants you to know He loves blessing you. Now go and be a blessing to the world. If there's any response you need to make this morning, we stand ready to receive you as we stand and as we sing. Break my heart, dear Lord, tear the barriers down. Show me in convicting tears the glories of your crown. My heart is hard, my soul so weak. The ways of evil cut so deep. I need you, Lord, to come inside and gently break my heart. My sin is great, but I can see the glory set for me. Show me, Father, where to 